0: As I was preparing, on Tuesday we had our, our volunteer night, where it was our empower night, where all the volunteers, anybody who serves, came and got empowered. and It was just an unbelievable night. And while we were sitting here, I think the spirit of a volunteer and the spirit of serving was so thick in this place that as I'm sitting here, God's like, boom, 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 this is what you're going to preach on, this, and just downloaded it to me like all right here in this meeting. And so I knew that this morning it was going to be a powerful, a powerful day. And here's the thing, if this is your first time in church, this word is for you as well, okay? Because God wants all of us to serve in His house. God wants all of us to be a volunteer, to take part in this house, in the house of God. Because here's the truth, when you connect yourself to the house of God, you will flourish, When you connect yourself to this and live for something greater than just yourself, you will flourish, your family will flourish, your business will flourish, everything you do will flourish. It's a promise from God. He says it, okay? Now, that's why we talk about this. Because we want you to flourish. Pastor Jurgen Leanne, their, their goal, their mission, their vision is for every single family, every single business, man and woman, to flourish and to prosper. And we know that unless we talk about serving and volunteering, we are robbing you from something great. And that's why we say, hey, this is what we need to do. And listen, our church, God does not need you to volunteer. You need you to volunteer. You need you to serve. Unless you serve, you don't unlock the full potential that God has for your life. The full potential that God has for your, bu- your business or, or whatever you're going through, the full potential is unlocked when you serve in the house of God. And now wh- when you don't serve, you can end up in, in the church getting a critical spirit. Now a critical spirit is so dangerous because it disconnects you and, and it really ruins your day really ruins your life, really ruins what you're going through when you have a critical, and judgmental spirit. So the house of God is a little bit like this. The house of God is a little bit like traffic, okay? It's a little bit like getting onto the freeway. So the first thing, you come to the house of God, you come to church, you get on the freeway, and it's all smooth sailing. You merge on, you're like, this is awesome! I'm flying, this is cool, I'm going fast, and then all of a sudden you see brake lights. And how many people know I hate traffic does anybody hate traffic in here okay thank you everybody else you love it that's good good for you okay i hate traffic so you get on this road and then you see brake lights and then you stop and then soon you know you're like okay you know it's probably going to clear up just over this next bend it's going to clear up it's going to be good five minutes go by and you don't move you're like oh man i'm sure you know any any minute now any minute now and you start getting a little bit frustrated And then another five minutes go by, and then you're like tapping your fingers. You're like, what is going on? These stupid people. There's some old lady in the front that's stopping traffic. Come on, you know you think that. You know you think that. And you're like getting all mad. And another five minutes go by, and you're like, how long am I going to sit here? And soon you actually are so frustrated that you think getting out of your car is going to do something. So you get out of your car and you're looking like this and you're trying to like pull out with your car to see what's up front, what's causing this traffic, and it ruins your day. Bad traffic ruins your day. But then, as, as cars start moving, And then you're so mad on the inside, like, man, I can't wait to get up there. Man, if it was somebody who was just taking their time, I swear I'm going to honk my horn, run into them, run them off the road. And you get up to where the traffic had had stopped, where the traffic jam started. And you see an ambulance, and you see a fire truck, and you see a police car, and you see a car that had been bent, and a car that had been flipped over. And then your heart changes from critical to now you have compassion for those people. You're like, oh my gosh. And and, and you came with a critical spirit. But then you see the reason for this traffic. And now you're like, oh, God, protect him. See, I don't understand that. Or you, you get up to where this traffic jam was. And there's nothing there. And that just ticks you off even more. Why? Because there is nothing there. You're like, why was there traffic in the first place? There's nothing here. I don't understand it. And it ruins the rest of your day. See, church is kind of like that sometimes. Okay, Where you get on and you come to church first and then you hit a traffic jam and then something stops and you get a hiccup and something happens that you don't like and you get upset about it. And time goes on and it seems like it's not getting fixed and problems aren't getting solved and what is this hiccup and why are we stopped? and you get up to where the problem had occurred, and nothing is there. See, what has happened is why traffic was stopped, and why you couldn't see the pastors and the team and the staff were taking care of an issue, We're taking care of a problem, We're taking care of a hardship, and you didn't see it. But yet we get a critical spirit. Why? Because we are not at that scene with the rest of the volunteers. We are not at that scene with the rest of the servants. If you serve and you connect yourself to the, to, the, to the house of God, you'll be up there. And now next time you're in that traffic jam, you say, no, it's okay. It's a hiccup, and we're taking care of it. It's a traffic jam, and we're taking care of it. See, that's what we need to do. Unless you get connected, you will get a critical spirit. And to protect you, that critical spirit will ruin your day, will ruin your marriage, will ruin your life, will ruin the future that god has for you in ministry don't let that happen start serving so that was just a little bit of an intro cool all right so this morning this morning i'm going to talk about sticks and stones sticks and stones okay i love it sticks is what so i'm going to talk mostly about sticks but sticks has to do with your gift your ability what god has given you and the stones is god or god stepping in and make the impossible possible okay so it says in psalms 118 it says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And it refers to it again in Acts, that Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. So stick to our gifts, the stone is Jesus. So this morning, as we talk about our gifts and our abilities, because God has given every single one of us gifts and abilities, but unless we submit them and use them in the house of God, those gifts and abilities really do not reach their full potential. We have to submit them to the house of God. We have to give our gifts and our abilities. So come with me right now to Exodus chapter 4. I got a bunch of scriptures this morning. I'm going to turn to them because I want to read all of them out of the Bible. If you got your Bible this morning, I want you to kiss it, love on it, because in here is life. So Exodus chapter 4, starting in verse 2. It's going to come up on the screen as well, but don't let that be an excuse to not open your Bible. Okay, so it says, So the Lord said to him, said to Moses, What is it that is in your hand? And Moses said, a rod or a stick. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. Listen, your stick or your gift that you possess in your hand that stick or that that gift does not become powerful, does not become touched by God unless it is thrown at the foot of God, unless it is released at the feet of God. See, Jesus says, or God says to Moses, what is in your hand? He says, a rod or a stick. God says, throw it down. That is not yours. So he throws it down, and God touches it. And when God touches it, it becomes a serpent. It becomes powerful. It becomes deadly. It becomes anointed. It becomes something so much more than just a stick. And God says, pick it back up because now I have touched your gift. Now you can pick it back up and use it how I want you to use it. And use it when it has a touch on it. Now sticks are are this. Sticks are something that can be broken pretty easily. Sticks are something that you can burn them, you can break them, you can snap them in half. can be broken pretty easily. But when they are used in the right way, it can become a weapon. See, when I was growing up, we went and it snowed in Oregon. I grew up in Oregon, in, in the backwoods of Oregon, okay? One school in my town, like small school. The biggest news in my town is when we got a Walmart. Seriously, it was crazy. When we got a Walmart, people were like, we've made it. We have arrived at Walmart, So one day it snowed a whole bunch. We're like, you know what? I don't talk like this, but I'm just going to say it. You know what? Let's go get on our four-wheelers and in our cars and tie a rope to a back of a sled and go up in the backwoods and sled. So this sounds like a great idea, going 40 miles an hour in the snow, tied to a back of a car in a sled with no control whatsoever. So we did it. We get on the road, and we're going up. And we're, we're flying around, and in front of me is this girl, and we're both on the sled. And I'm in the back, she's in the front, and we're like, yeah, this is awesome. We're like sliding back and, and forth, and then I see to the right of the road is a stick pointing at us. And you know where the story's going. And as we're going, I slide, we slide to the right, and I'm like, oh, shoot. And she's in front of me, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, well, at least if it goes through her, it probably won't hurt me that much. So I should be safe. But no, so, so we're going. I'm like trying to move, but we're going so fast. And the snow, my hands are like digging in the snow to try to get us to turn, but we can't turn. And sure enough, we plow into that stick sticking out of the snow. And she rolls off and she's like screaming and crying, and thank God she was wearing like 30 layers of clothes so it didn't kill her or penetrate her skin, but it hurt her a lot. That stick, as we stopped, I went over to that stick and I grabbed it. I'm like, bam, snapped it. I'm like, there you go. That stick snapped it. So that, so that stick, listen, that stick that I could easily snap with my hand, when it was used in the right way, became a weapon. How many people have seen the movie Braveheart? Braveheart, they're up against the English. And they have all these horses. And William Wallace says, okay, let's get a bunch of big sticks. So they take these sticks off of trees that can be used for firewood or just for shade or whatever. And when they sharpen these sticks, the sticks become a weapon. And as the horses come, they plow the sticks deep into the ground and stick them straight up. And they take out the enemy. Now, in that scene, so I can tell you a little bit something. When those men die, my wife does not cry over the men. She cries over the horses. Okay, that's not part of this, but I just wanted to throw that in here. I think that she's crying over the lost men that have laid down their lives. I'm like, you're right. It's so sad. Can you believe those men died? She's like, I don't care about the men. Those poor horses. They did nothing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I grew up hunting, killing deer for fun, and she wants to have a pet deer. It's like the opposite. But anyways, back to what I was saying. I just wanted to add that in there if that's cool. So, back to what I was saying, your stick or your gift, when used in the right way, goes from being just a useless object to a powerful weapon. But the thing is, you have to release it and give it into the hand of God. You have to release it and give it back into its proper place, which is at the foot of God. When you do that, God wants to touch it. God wants to bless it. God wants to anoint it. But you and I have to get to the place where we're willing to release That which is so precious to us. See, what God did with Moses was so powerful. He took a shepherd and used the stick that was used to lead sheep and touched it and used that same stick to lead a nation. Why? Same stick, same rod, touched by God. So you and I, the importance of serving, the importance of laying down our gift, the importance of, of giving and of our time into the house of God is because you and I have a gift, have an ability, have something that is from God that is great, that is good, and you can do a good thing with it. But it's not a God thing unless you release it into the hand of God. Unless you come here and go out those doors and go to our players booth, sign up to be a volunteer and say, you know what, I have a gift, I have ability, but I know that unless I release it, it will amount to nothing. And so you have an opportunity this morning to release your gift. So you might be tending the sheep, which is good, but God wants to use you to attend to a nation, to free a nation to deliver a nation from persecution, from hardships. Maybe you are a miracle for somebody out there. Maybe you are a deliverer for somebody out there. But unless you release that gift, you will never know. See, guys, it is so important for us to release our gifts. And you know what I love about this? Is your gift or your rod needs to be submitted to leadership. And I'm going to prove it. So we, we, we think that, oh, no, 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 God has given me a gift, so I'm going to go out and do my own thing. Oh, man, it doesn't work like that. I'm going to go out and then do my own thing because God has given it to me. I will do my own thing. So check this out. So Aaron takes the rod. Okay, and Aaron's the one that's like doing the miracles, touching the sand, turns to the lights, doing these things. Okay, Aaron is the one doing it. Now look at this. Come with me, Exodus chapter 8, verse 5. okay. Exodus chapter 8, verse 5. I love this. And it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. And then verse 16, it says, So the Lord again said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the land, so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, Aaron has the rod. Aaron has the power. Aaron has the gift. Why is he listening to Moses? But God operates with leadership. So God says this. God speaks to the leader to tell the servant how to properly use their gift, how to effectively use their gift or their ability or their talent. So you might have a gift or an ability or a talent that is great, that is from God, that God wants to use, but you must submit it to leadership. When you submit it to leadership, it goes from being a rod or a, or a gift and goes to a weapon, to being used as a weapon. See, so God says, God speaks to the leader to tell the volunteer when and where to use their gift. We think that we tell the leader when and where we should use our gift. God says that's the opposite. I tell my leader who then tells my volunteer how to properly use that gift. And it's not to hurt you. It's not to humble you. It's not to break you down or show you all you're just a volunteer. No, 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 no. The purpose is so that your gift and your ability is effectively used, is used to the fullest of its its capacity or ability. It's like if you had a gun with no bullets. You're like, man, this thing is awesome, but I can just hit people with it. Your leader's job is to put bullets in that gun so you can use it and tell you how to point it and where to point it and how to shoot it and how to aim it and how to properly, effectively use this weapon that God has given you. God gives you the weapon, but unless you've got a leader that you're submitted to, it will never be used effectively and properly. Amen? Amen. Now listen. Moses' gift wasn't enough. Moses' gift and ability still wasn't enough. Exodus 17 I know we're reading a lot at 17. I'm going to talk about Moses. I'm going to talk about David. Okay, it's going to be cool. Both similar stories. Exodus 17, verse 8, says this. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel and repeted him. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. See, Moses says this. Moses says Moses was probably in his glory days, saying, man, this thing is cool. I'm doing all these kinds of miracles. So he says to Joshua, he says, Joshua, I am going to stand and lift up the rod. And while my hands are lifted up, there will be victory. But in the midst of him thinking that he could do it on his own, his hands and his gift and his ability started getting heavy and started getting weary. So they brought a stone and rolled it under him. Listen, they brought a stone so that Moses would rely on the rock to bring him victory. See, you and I, we have gifts and we have abilities. But unless we still rely on the stone or God or Jesus to bring us victory, our gifts and our abilities will grow weary, we'll get tired, We will stop serving, we will get offended, things will happen, but that's when we bring a stone or a rock and we sit on it and then we are strengthened. See, God says you cannot do it on your own. I've given you this ability, you've laid it at my feet, but I am still an essential part of this thing called life. I am still an essential part of you serving. So, make sure you were always bringing me in. Make sure you were always relying and setting your weight and your heaviness and your burden upon the rock, which gives you strength. See, that's what's so important. It wasn't in his own strength, but in the strength of God that brought the victory that day. See, now I'm going to talk about David. Are you guys with me this morning? Cool, come on. I'm going to talk about David. So, come with me, Samuel 17. Samuel. I'm turning there because I want to read it from here. Samuel. We're going to go to some verses, and we're actually going to go back and look at a couple verses before that. So make sure media guys put the first ones out, uh, which is 41, 1741. So 17, chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17, 41. Okay, so the Philistine came. We know that Philistine is Goliath. And began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, now this is cool, this is where God got me this week. He says, am, am, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? That you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So I saw that, and I, and I knew that David killed Goliath with a stone. So I'm like, oh, that's great. The stone is you, God. And I'm going to get into that in a minute because it's powerful. But then I'm reading that, and Goliath says to David, am I a dog that you come at me not with a stone and a sling, but with sticks? Goliath saw David's gift and his ability because he had it with him on that battlefield. Now come with me right now. Samuel, uh, it's just right above, 39, verse 39. Okay, this is cool. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. He took off Saul's armor. Then verse 40, this is what it says. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for him five smooth stones. David took his staff or his stick, which is his gift and his ability to go out onto the battlefield. He didn't take somebody else's gift, somebody else's ability, somebody else's calling, somebody else's thing. It did not fit him. He could not wear it. He said, I'm taking my gift that God has given me to go out onto this battlefield. David is like Moses. He had a gift. He had ability in this rod, in this stick. See, David used his gift and his ability to take down a lion and a bear. To defend sheep, to protect sheep, he used that rod. He used his gifts. He used his talents. He used his abilities. And that was a great thing. That's what what got God's attention. He said, David is faithful with this. David is faithful with this ability that I've given him. With this gift that I've given him. And and he says this. God says, man, if, if my servant, is so faithful with this gift that I've given him over a few sheep and to deliver sheep, then I will take my servant to this battleground and use his gift to deliver a nation. God used David's gifts and abilities to deliver a nation. Why? Because David showed up at the battlefield. David showed up at that battlefield. And I love David's heart, because he understands this. As he gets to the battlefield, he just came, just came from tending sheep, watching sheep. But when he gets to the battlefield, his his speech and his language changes. So he comes to Saul, and he says, hey, Saul, I want to take down this giant, okay? And Saul's like, no, you probably can't do it. You're kind of just a youth, don't really have anything. And David's like, no, 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 you don't understand. And so David goes into this, trying to convince Saul, and he says, look, Saul, he says, your servant He changes his language and says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. He just came from keeping his father's sheep. What do you mean you used to? You were coming here to give your your brothers cheeses and breads and go back to tending sheep. But David says, no, 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 no. See, because I was serving, because I was here on this battlefield, I know that when I came to here, I know that my gifts and my abilities were for this purpose. And so he changes his speech from saying, I tend them now to I used to tend them because my destiny now lies on this battlefield with this giant. And so David says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came, I struck him and I killed him and I delivered the sheep. And I delivered the sheep. And he says, this Philistine will be just like the lion or the bear. And so he goes. He goes. And he goes out to the battlefield with his rod in his hand. With his gift and his ability in his hand. But what's so unique is David understands that he cannot do it on his own. That his gifts and his abilities are not enough for this battle. Are not enough. They were enough for the lions and the bears. But were not enough for a giant, for a God purpose, for a God dream. They were not enough. So he stops by a stream and picks up five smooth stones. Picks up Jesus. He picks up his king. He picks up God. Because he knows that he cannot do it in his own strength. He must have God to bring victory. And the Bible says that as he gets onto the battlefield, he runs toward Goliath, and he puts a rock in his sling. And listen, I'm like, oh, did he have a staff or did he not? He doesn't really stay, say. But if you're running and you have to put a rock in a sling, he doesn't have that staff in his hand. So David picks up those rocks, goes to the battlefield, and lays down his staff and runs toward the giant with God in his hand, with the anointing of God, and puts it in the sling and winds it up and launches it at Goliath and takes him down. His gift and his ability got him to the battlefield church, but God brought the breakthrough. So we have to make sure that we are always giving the true honor giver of the gift, to the giver of our abilities, to the giver of what God has given us, we give him the honor back, because it is him that will bring the breakthrough. And listen, if your dream or your business does not require you to pick up a stone to bring breakthrough, maybe it's really not a big enough dream or a business. Jesus says, David, your Your gift and your ability was okay for these lions, was okay for for one business, was okay for one dream, was okay for this one thing that you had. But it's not enough because there is a time coming where I will bring you to a battlefield and you will face a giant and you must rely on me to bring the victory. See, church, this morning, we, we come here and we have our gifts and our abilities. And this is Players Month. Get in the game volunteer. Why? Because every single person in here, and I can actually have the keys come up. I know it's early, but that's good. We'll get out of here early. Come on. That's a good thing. So you can come up, keys player. Um, and just, just keys. I want I want the uh, musicians, you guys stay, man. You guys just receive this morning. Cool. Just receive. Amy, I'll pray for you afterwards. <laughs> I love you. She's incredible. But uh, we, we have to, God has given every single person in here a gift and an ability. Every single one. And every single one is unique. Don't get into a comparison battle. Don't compare your gift with somebody else's. God didn't give your gift to do the same thing as this other person. You can't compare. You can't do it. Because you can do what you can do and they can do what they can do. They can't do what you can do and you can't do what they can do. That's a riddle right there, a little rhyme, tongue twister. If you follow that, write that down, because you're going to want to save that. But what I love about this is we can do what we can do, and God will do what we can't do. And the reversal is also true. If we don't do what we can do, God can't do what he can do. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for us to take that rod and that gift and that ability in our hand and lay it at his feet. Say, God, you can do so much more than I can do with this. And I'm not just talking about setting up chairs and handing out buckets. And let me tell you, that stuff, I am so thankful for the people that do that. Because there's sacrifice in doing God wants to use you businessmen and businesswomen. We have a DNA finance coming up that Pastor Mark is teaching because he's a successful businessman. He's using his gift in the business world to teach people in the kingdom world how to be faithful, how to flourish, how to prosper. See, that's what I'm talking about because we're laying our gifts, we're laying our abilities in this house because unless you do You'll just be walking through like everybody else in this world. You know, your gifts and your abilities aren't any different. Because God has given it to everybody. Respect ri- or, uh, doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if, if you go to church or not. He's given everybody out there the same gifts. Until you use them in the house of God, they're the same as everybody out there. That's why we, we, that's why we talk about it. That's why we have this month devoted to it. Because we want the best for you. We want the best for your marriage. We want the best for your finances, for your business. And we are doing you a disservice if we don't tell the importance of bringing your gifts and your abilities and releasing it. The reason we have church in Carmel Valley every single week is because men and women show up before the sun is up and lay down their gifts. Say I'm here to live for something greater than myself. That's why. This is here. This building, these lights, this media is here because faithful people laid down their gifts and served. Let like God touch them and then picked them back up and then served. I, I love this in, in Psalms. Psalms 23. Powerful scripture. I don't want you to turn there. Don't turn there. Just, in fact, actually, why don't everybody just close their eyes right now. Thanks. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Or are into a close. Psalms 23, David says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So right now, if you're not serving, listen if you are a volunteer here. Don't be discouraged and grow weary in doing good. You might be serving and growing tired and growing weary. Don't let that stop you because there's breakthrough on the other side. And if you're not serving yet, not a part of it, can I just encourage you this morning, whatever your gifts and abilities are, lay them down this morning. Sign up outside. Say, I'm living for something greater. I'm convinced that if you want to dwell in the house of God, you have to serve in the house of God. You have to be a volunteer in the house of God. Because you're taking residence, saying, I'm not moving, I am not going, I am planting myself in this house.